Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. to an Amber a Day, the podcast, and I'm Amber Fisher. I'm a functional nutritionist in San Antonio, Texas, and this podcast is all about fertility, autoimmunity, functional nutrition, and just life in general. I give you all my life thoughts on here. So um, thank you so much for listening today and taking time out of your day to listen to those thoughts. Today I want to talk about something that I did a short video on last week on my Instagram um, my Instagram TV, whatever you call it, um, all about what I call the jar theory. And it's something that I explain to my clients a lot. It's something that I use a lot in my practice to kind of help in a simple way relate why it's so important to care about diet, especially when it comes to a body that is stressed or to a situation that is stressful. So a lot of times we think about stress on the body, particularly when it comes to fertility, right? You'll hear this sort of insensitive advice to like, oh, you need to reduce your stress, you know? Um, And that, there may be some truth to that, right? But it's like, it's not helpful to hear it. And all of the strategies that we see out there to actually help reduce our stress don't really work that well. Um, so people often are like, you know, they just throw that entirely out the window. Well, there's a way to think about stress differently than what the culture at large kind of tells us to think of it as. And that's sort of what I like to get across to the people that I'm working with, because often when we're working with fertility or autoimmunity, um, with women, we see a lot of stress causing issues in the body. But when I'm talking about stress, I'm not talking about um, having a bad day at work or um, being overwhelmed. I'm talking about physically, biologically, there's stress going on internally, stuff that you might not even perceive. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to explain it to you first. First, let me explain the JAR theory so that you can kind of get the concept of what, what we're going over today. And then I'll just talk a lot about what that means, what that looks like in practice, and how we sort of overcome those things. So um, if you think of your body, here's your body. It's a jar, right? Um, And this jar has a certain capacity, right? can be filled up, but it can also spill over. So if we think about stress as being something that fills up the jar, imagine it's like water in this jar. Um, A little bit's okay, right? We can even fill it all the way up to the top, But when we spill over, what happens? Well, that's when we get what we would call a flare-up. So in a person with autoimmunity, this is a pretty easy comparison because, you know, when you do, when you are autoimmune, you do get flares sometimes of your condition. 
And a lot of times people who get flares of their conditions will trace it back to something particularly stressful that happened. You know, maybe they did have a bad day at work or um, a bad week or, you know, um, there could be more serious things like there was a death in the family or something like that. And they can trace that flare up back to that point in time. And so they automatically connect um, and say, okay, well, this happened because of that, right? But, um, and, and when we're talking about fertility, this might look like uh, a worsening of your hormonal imbalance. Maybe things were kind of on track. Maybe you're having a period almost every month and then something happens and all of a sudden, you know, it's really out of whack again. Or um, if you've already had a lot of issues, maybe they get worse or, um, you know, other strategies that you're doing to try to make them better are not working. Um, things like that would be examples of it. But there are many different ways that this spillover can happen and everyone's different. We even see this in chronic disease, right? The spillover may be the start of a chronic disease or it might be the worsening of it. So there's a lot of ways this can play out. But fundamentally, we've got this jar. We can fill it up. But if we fill it too much, it spills over. Um, so what fills up the jar? Well, if stress is filling up the jar, um, what we often think about is, you know, these kinds of what we call lifestyle stresses, right? So not getting enough sleep, having a stressful job, all that kind of thing. And what a lot of women that I work with come back and tell me is when I start talking about stress reduction, their first thought is, you know, they really bump up against that idea because as women, we like, we have a lot on our plate. We kind of want to have it all. Um, and we don't want to be told that we can't or that we need to rest more or relax more um, because either we can't do it, we don't want to do it, or somewhere in between those two things, right? And so when I start talking about stress, a lot of times the women that need this advice the most, they're sort of like, no, 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 I don't want to listen to that. Um, but I'm not talking about stress like that. I'm not talking about you being overwhelmed at work. What I'm talking about is what's filling up that jar besides that stuff that's not leaving enough space for the stress in your life. So we don't often think about food like this, but food can actually be a stress on your body. Um, there are several ways that this can happen. The biggest one is if you're eating foods that are known to be inflammatory foods and the majority of your diet is based on that. So let's say you eat a standard American diet, right? You're eating a lot of fried foods, a lot of fast food, a lot of grains, a lot of dairy, a lot of saturated fats, a lot of conventional animal products. Um, that kind of diet is known across the board to be inflammatory, right? And so um, there's not a lot of fiber in there. There's not a lot of vegetables in there. It's just kind of a crappy diet. If you're eating like that, of course, that's going to be inflammatory on your system. When we say the word inflammation, what inflammation is, it's a form of stress. It's stress on your body. It's a biological stress on your body. So when we have this jar, right, if we're eating like that, we might be filling the jar up 50% just with our diet alone. So we might live like this perfectly happy, balanced life where um, there's no, like, no stress going on, no external stress going on. But if we're eating like that, for some people, that fills the jar up halfway. For some people, it fills the jar up 75%. For some people, that's enough to spill the jar over completely, right? We all have different sized jars. Um, so especially if you have a predisposition to some of these like chronic illnesses, your jar might be a little bit smaller. 
So there's one way, that's the biggest way that that happens. But what about you, right? Because you are probably a person who's already somewhat interested in health. Maybe you're trying to make healthy choices or maybe you already have been eating healthy for a long time. But for some reason, you still keep getting these spillovers. You still keep getting these flare-ups. Your hormones are not getting better, whatever it may be. So this is when we really want to look at food sensitivity. Um, Because, you know, and food sensitivity, just go on my little rabbit trail, it gets a little bit of a bad rap. So conventionally, it's not looked at as a super helpful diagnostic test. And so insurance a lot of times won't cover it. Um, it's just one of those things that is not, there's not enough backing for it yet. But as a nutritionist, and I know many nutritionists who are like that, we use these tests often because what they do for us is they really help us design diets that are more effective. And I've seen this over my years in practice where I used to kind of go off of the whole like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I know that there's, that's research backed and it's, you know, all completely on the up and up and it's all conventional and all that. And what I found was that the conventional treatment for food sensitivity is, is an elimination diet. Well, I was doing these elimination diets and yet we were still having issues and we really weren't getting to the root of things and it was very confusing. What happened when I started doing food sensitivity testing was I was often able to find these little foods that you wouldn't think of as being problems. Um, I'm talking about things like carrots, spinach, garlic, you know, stuff that people cook with a lot, people might eat a lot, bananas, um, healthy things in the diet, but yet for certain people were causing major inflammation. Um, so what does that mean? Does that mean that this person is just has like a predisposition to not tolerating bananas and they need to cut them out forever? No. Um, so that's the misconception with food sensitivity testing is like you think you get this test and it tells you you can't ever eat these things again and um, you were born not being able to eat these things. And that's not really what it's telling me. What it's telling me is how broken down is the lining of the gut? How weak is it? how much movement is happening from food particles that are not being totally broken down getting into the bloodstream. Um, And when that happens, we call that leaky gut, right? You've probably heard of that before, or intestinal permeability is the fancy way of saying it. So when we have leaky gut, we can develop these inflammatory reactions to foods that we either eat a lot of or that are harder to digest, either for our bodies or just in general. So a lot of times when we have food sensitivities come up, we see the t- some of the typical things. So we, I usually see one of the big ones, either eggs, dairy, or gluten. Those typically, there's always one of those that comes up. Not always, but typically. And then we also might see some other foods that the person likes to eat a lot or that's con- that's in the diet quite a bit or was in the diet quite a bit around a very stressful time, whatever it may be. So um, if... If we have food sensitivities, which if we're seeing autoimmunity and we're seeing fertility issues, there's a pretty good chance that some of that is going on, right? Because those types of conditions are related to leaky gut. And so um, if we have leaky gut, more than likely we have some food sensitivities. So if we see that going on, what we know is that the food that you're eating, 
even if it's super healthy, might still be causing some stress, might still be filling that jar up somewhat. And depending on how sensitive you are, depending on um, how small your jar is, depending on your predispositions, all those kinds of things, all those individualized factors, your jar might be getting, getting filled up 50% with you know bananas or some crazy thing. And so you're doing everything right. You know Nobody would look at your diet and say, oh, this is wrong or that's wrong. You're doing everything right but yet you're still having these issues because you're still getting spillover. Um, sometimes what happens too is that maybe diet is not filling up the jar a ton. Maybe it's filling the jar up 25%, but we have a person who um, puts a lot of pressure on themselves and mentally is more stressed out than another person. Everybody handles stress differently. You know, Everybody handles things differently. If you have anxiety, maybe you take things to heart more. Um, so. There are different ways that this can, you know, happen in the body, but what we're really looking at is what can we change and what can't we change? Um, and I like to talk about that a lot because I think we get this sort of, there's, there's a lot of things going on that I just like don't love um, in the like culture at large, especially around food and nutrition and stuff. And one of the things that really kind of bugged me during um, nutrition school was this sort of idea that um, if a person has a really stressful job, that you know it's best for their health if they quit their job. And so the recommendation from you as the nutritionist should be, look, this is getting in your way, this is getting in the way of your health, and you should quit and either find a different job or take time off or whatever. There have been cases in my time as a nutritionist where I have recommended that. And I won't say that there haven't because occasionally there is a situation where a person is like, really, really getting knocked down by the work that they're doing. Um, but for the majority of people, that kind of advice is really insensitive, really unhelpful, and not likely to do a lot of good. Because um, like I was saying before, like with a lot of things, you have to be in it too. Like your motivation has to be there with me. I can't just tell you, yeah, quit your job and it'll reduce your stress because now suddenly you have a new source of stress, which is the fact that you don't have a job and you need the money or whatever it may be. So either you won't quit or you don't want to quit. Um, if you do, great. That might be a way that we can reduce the stress, but it's just not super helpful advice. Um, same thing with like talking about stress reduction in general, right? Well, what happens if your life is just like set up for stress? Um, you know, like I'll speak from personal experience, for example. Um, I'm self-employed, right? And um, those of you who are self-employed know that your work day isn't just a nine to five thing. You're working almost constantly. If you're not actively seeing somebody that you're supposed to be working with, you're doing paperwork or you're prepping or you're planning or you're having visions or dreaming or whatever it may be, but everything's a preparation process for your business. Your life revolves around it. Um, and it's fun work, right? Because it's something that you like to do. And especially if you're successful at it, you feel gratified for it. So it's rewarding. Doesn't mean it's not a source of stress. Add to that the fact that, you know, I'm a new mom. I have a one-year-old little boy. Oh, I can't believe he's one. Um, I have a one-year-old little boy. So, um, you know, what am I going to do about that? Like, that's a stress that there is no cure for except time because he has to grow. And um, especially if you have a little, little baby who's not sleeping through the night or who is, um, you know, 
they need you a lot when they're little. And so, and I stay home with him. Um, so I work part-time, I stay home with him, but the hours that I work are really full-time hours. They're just at home. So there's a lot on my plate. We'll just say that. Um, so yeah, that's stress, right? But I'm not going to do anything about that stress. I'm not going to take away that stress any more than I can. Um, I am, you know, working with somebody, Renee, if you're listening. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. I'm working with a productivity coach to help me get more organized, um, but the stress is always going to be there. There's always going to be stuff to do. There's always going to be stuff on your mind as a self-employed person. Um, Same thing for like people who have other types of stressful jobs. Like what if you're a teacher? You know, my husband's a teacher. He comes home from school. He works on stuff for the next day. Like it's constant. Um, What if you work for um, in social services? I used to do that. That's incredibly stressful. Low pay and long hours. Um, What if you run a company? What if you're the CEO or, you know, you're integral to the vision of this company? What if you um, have a really, really mean boss? I don't know. There's many different things that could be going on that you either can't or won't change. Um, So those kinds of stresses, if you have a lot more of them, they can they can play a larger role than food. Um, another example of this would be a person who works out a lot. So I see this especially in women who rely a lot on exercise for their stress relief, right? They want those endorphins. Um, but actually their their really crazy exercise schedule is doing the opposite and it's actually stressing their body out more. So they're getting the endorphins, they're getting that high, which makes them feel good. Um, but the extreme stress on their body from keeping up that routine is also causing these underlying stressors, these more chronic stressors, which are then filling up the jar. So, um, you know, with that, there are certain things that we can reduce, right? Like I'm working with a productivity coach to like learn to take more time off. And with women who exercise too much, we work on cutting back some on the exercise. People who don't sleep enough, we work on fixing the underlying reason why they're not sleeping so that they get more sleep. Those are all stressors that we do have some control over. But there are things in our life that we don't have control over and there are things in our life that won't change. Um, So what things do we have control over? Well, the biggest thing that we always have control over is our diet. We can always decide what we're going to eat and what we're not going to eat. Um, You know, with that said, like, I want to be sensitive to the fact that some of you listening to this, you may not have access to certain things. You may live in a part of the country where there's not access to certain things. You know, that stuff does go on and there are systemic inequalities in food. But um, for the average person that I'm talking to, you know, you do have choices there. 
Um, and you have choices for how you spend your money. So even if money's tight, it is possible to eat a healthy diet on a tight budget. Um, you might have to cut some other things out of your life, but it is possible to do um, as long as you keep it really simple. So there, that's the biggest thing that we have control over. But if we're trying to address that without knowing what the real problems are, um, we can get into a situation where we're, we're doing everything right, but we're not making much progress. Um, so that's why food sensitivity testing is important. Um, of course, cutting out the typical inflammatory foods also helps. Um, if you don't have access to food sensitivity testing, that's where I would start. I'd look up like a typical elimination diet. Whole30 is a great one to try. Um, autoimmune paleo is a good one to try. Um, those are examples of, of elimination diets that I think have a good basis for getting you started. But the chances are for a lot of people that they're not going to be everything that you need. Um, so when we're thinking about the jar, um, really our goal is to take all of those stressors that we can do something about, diet being the biggest one, but then maybe some of these other things that we have a little bit more control over, like how much or how little we're exercising, how much or how little we're sleeping, and we wanna reduce the amount that is filling up the jar. That way, when something inevitably stressful does happen to us, which is bound to happen because life is life and it must be lived, um, it's not enough to sort of tip us over into a flare. Um, that's not to say that flare-ups won't happen because sometimes lifestyle stressors are so major that they do this all on their own. So, you know, an example of that is like if, if somebody really close to you dies or um, sometimes moving, you know, these kind of big major life changes, those can be enough on their own to trigger the, the um, a flare-up with this, but if you're already taking care of your diet, what you're doing there is you're making your body more resilient. You're making your body less vulnerable because you're supporting your immune health. Um, and so you're less likely for that flare to turn into like a real spiral. Um, you're less likely for that flare to happen in the first place. So it's really important to pay attention to that. And um, that's a big, that's a big principle of what I do. You know, the other thing I talk about a lot is the priority pyramid and um, looking at what's most important to the body in terms of, of health. And of course, the basis, the most important thing to focus on with any condition is always gut health, um, gut health and immune health. And the gut and the immune system are intricately connected. So, um, and I had, do have a podcast about that as well, which I think is valuable to listen to if you want to like get the understanding of how those two kind of theories fit together. Um, but that's the jar theory, right? So um, I like to talk about that just because I think that it helps make it a little bit more simple and easy to understand why it's so much more important to look at your diet than it is to look at your lifestyle from the beginning. Um, because we do know that there are certain modalities that do reduce stress like there have been research studies on this so, you know some things that have been clinically proven would be meditation mindfulness meditation um, yoga um, acupuncture uh, massage like these are all things that have been shown to reduce levels of stress hormones in the body 
and they're great and they have their place. Um, I do think like some type of spiritual practice is really, really important in, in the life just because we have to be connected to a higher vision of ourselves and um, our purpose or what's the point of it all? <laughs> like, why not just like go eat, you know, fast food if there's no purpose and no point? Like we have to feel that there's a reason for us to be healthy and happy, even if that reason is just for us to feel good while we're here, you know? But if we have a greater purpose and a greater vision for our lives, then we know that we need to stay healthy so that we can best tackle that vision and that purpose, even if we don't know what that purpose is. So I think a spiritual practice is really important and prayer and meditation are great stress relievers. Those things are just not gonna do a ton for you if you're not also looking at your diet. So one thing that I've always like, I always crack up about, um, and you know, I have a sense of humor about all this. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that like, I like to laugh at life because I think life is kind of funny and I think God has a sense of humor and um, sometimes <laughs> sense of humor is a little dark, um, but uh, I do think that sense of humor is there. And so um, one thing that I always kind of laugh about is when I'm with a group of people and we're like either at a restaurant or we're like around a dinner table and there's like all this really unhealthy food. And then um, in, you know, in the Christian um, evangelical world, we always pray over the food that God will bless it to our bodies, right? And I always laugh because I'm looking at like, you know, these like nasty, like <laughs> cream-based soups and, um, you know, fried stuff and stuff cooked in vegetable oil that's gone rancid and all these different things that we eat at restaurants and that we eat at home and that they taste delicious, you know? Um, but there's no way getting around that like, just because you pray over it, it's not gonna bless your body. Like um, your body, when in, in the Christian world, we talk about your body being a temple, right? And so you have to treat the temple with, with you have to treat it well. Like you have to invest in it. Um, you have to keep it healthy um, and there's nothing wrong. I know the holidays are coming up, so there's nothing wrong with having um, meals like that here and there, even, you know, even once a week or even, you know, more often if you're an otherwise super healthy person. There's nothing wrong with, with enjoying life and enjoying food if that's where you're at with your health. But I just think it's kind of funny that we like pray over stuff that is clearly not good for us and like try to like do some mental mashup to make it like, like maybe God will just sort of like magically make it healthy for us. Um, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's kind of my point when it comes to these other sort of modalities. It's like, yeah, they're important and they help. And if you have the time and the energy or you make space and time for a yoga practice or to have a devotional time or whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you, um, no judgments here, whatever that looks like, that's super good for you and great for your health and your body and your mind. But if you're going and getting, you know, fast food right after that, like, what are you really doing? You know, there's a disconnect. I think, um, especially I see this in people who are very spiritual, um, is that there's often a disconnect between their spirituality and their mental life and their physical body. 
And one of the principles that is really important is that, you know, we're living here on earth now. We are in these bodies. These bodies, we have to keep them grounded to the earth. And one way we do that is by feeding um, feeding our bodies healthy food and taking care of our bodies. You know, yes, we're spiritual beings, right, in a, in a physical body. But that physical body is still important. We have to take care of it. We were given this body. Um, and it's part of our duty to sort of give it what it needs and make sure that it's running well because our body is really the intimately connected to our mind and to and to our spirit um i think a lot of times we think about those things as being separate and they're really not you know they're all working together they're functioning together if our body is unhealthy it makes it very hard for us to um you know to to have a good spiritual practice because we just don't feel good and we don't have energy and um you know there's a disconnect there so i think being fully connected with the whole idea of our 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 holistic idea of our health is really really important and that's why um you know nutrition is sometimes like the um in the holistic world nutrition is sort of like the redheaded stepchild like meditation gurus and stuff and you know um even pastors and all these different like spiritual type people kind of are like yeah I mean I could see what you're saying but really you know this is more important over here and I just you know want to put in my two cents for the fact that like your physical body is a really important part of you know your overall um health as a person including your mental health and including your spiritual health. Um, we know from studies that if you're not eating well, you're much more likely to have depression and anxiety. Um, depression, in a lot of ways, is an inflammatory condition in the brain. And guess what causes inflammation more than anything else? Right, what we eat. So, um, and the way that our guts work and all that. So, really important stuff um, to think about. And um, definitely... I think it is important to look at where do you have space in your life to add some of these stress-reducing um, modalities because they're not unimportant. They do help. Um, and especially in the world we live in now, diet really isn't enough. Like, um, you know, we live in a world where our food quality is much poorer than it used to be. And um, we are bombarded more than ever with advertisements and with... Um, you know, there's, there's stuff going on in our food system that's not ideal. And so we're fighting an uphill battle with our health now. And you can see that as autoimmune conditions become more common, as fertility conditions become more common, um, as cancers become more common. You know, I'm walking proof of that. Uh, so we are fighting an uphill battle. And so we have to have all the tools at our disposal, right? So it's important to have a holistic viewpoint about life and food and everything but don't neglect the food part don't neglect the food part and for those of you listening to this um you know probably a lot of you are already into the food stuff right this may be your entrance into the world of holistic health is with food uh because sometimes for some of us looking at food is easier because food is something that we all can bond over food is something that's normal it's stable it's everybody has to eat right and so it feels more acceptable it feels less like woo woo and crazy and out there um but if you're one of those people where the last several minutes of things that i was talking about sort of rubs you the wrong way or makes you feel uncomfortable or whatever it may be 
might be a good idea to kind of sit with with um, with that. Are you blocking yourself from um, reaching a better state of health because you're only focused on the food? I've seen that before, where people look at just their diet and we don't see movement in their physical health because there's trauma that they haven't worked through, because there's mental health issues that we haven't worked through. So this stuff is all connected, all connected. And um, that's why it's important to look at what we do have control over and what we can change and change that first, right? And then the rest will follow. So hopefully that helps. Um, I did get a couple questions on the live that I did about some things that are commonly used to help reduce stress. So one of the questions I got was about adaptogens. Um, and my recommendation there is yes. So adaptogens are, uh, these are like herbs and, um, and supplements that have been shown to kind of reduce um, levels of cortisol, reduce levels of stress in the body. Uh, those things do work and there's a place for them but I like to wait on those until we have exhausted our work with diet and sleep and lifestyle modification first. I think the temptation is, especially as women, to kind of say, what can I take so that I can go, go, go even more? What can I take so that I can push myself harder? How can I speed things up? And really a lot of this looking at health in a holistic way a lot of this looking at this, the jar theory and all that is about slowing down, is about taking a breath, is about giving yourself space. So um, sometimes the temptation with adaptogens is to kind of take it to give us energy when we're feeling drained, right? Um, the better thing to do is to look at why are we feeling drained? Are there things that you have control over that you can change? Um, Chances are there probably are. So look at those first. Uh, there is a place for adaptogens and sometimes people do have what we call adrenal fatigue and um, that is often helped by adaptogens, but um, we never use those first. We always see if the body will start to respond to these lifestyle and diet interventions first because usually the body just needs a second to breathe and to get it you know to get some space and then it starts functioning on its own and that's what you really want you want your own energy um caffeine is something that we often use to sort of substitute for having our own energy and um you know one thing that i would encourage you to try is cutting caffeine out of your life um especially if you're using it for like pre-workouts you know, if people want to have all the energy in the world for their workouts so they can go hard, right? Um, the problem with that is maybe your body doesn't want to go hard. Like maybe if you can't muster that level of, uh, that level of energy and determination of your own accord with your own internal resources, the chances are that you probably should not be doing that exercise right now. You just shouldn't. Um, can't change my mind on that. I, um, I've seen that too many times to count where people push and push and push and it ends up causing problems down the road. You know, the human body requires rest and requires relaxation. If you are forcing it beyond its limits, it will rebel against you. 
Um, so it's important to make sure that you're giving yourself rest. Um, you know, I'm not a personal trainer, so I don't like to go into too much with like exercise recommendations and everything. But what we do know is that the body needs at least one and probably more likely two full rest days a week. Like you need to have time between pushing your body so that your body can recover. Um, if you never give yourself a chance to recover, then how are you expecting to build um, muscle? You know, you're tearing down muscle fibers. They need to repair themselves. If you keep tearing them every single day, um, when do they have time to repair? They don't. So give yourself a break. Um, so yeah, adaptogens, I would wait on that. Um, I would definitely, you know, put in my two cents for seeing a professional. Um, doesn't necessarily mean me. Uh, and I only, I'm at the point where I'm only able to really work with specific people, um, which is a great problem to have, but there are probably other functional nutritionists where you live, um, people who do work virtually like I do. So, you know, they're out there. We're out there, guys. Um, look for a certified nutrition specialist. That's a good place to start if you're looking for help. Um, but yeah, I think that's all that I want to go over today. Um, you know, this is more than um, reducing stress is more than just taking more bubble baths. So keep that in mind as you move forward. That really gets to me when people when I think that the whole advertising industry around self-care is like so annoying. Like, oh, you know, just go have a spa day and take a bubble bath and you know, like that's, that's nice. I like going to the spa. Don't get me wrong. Somebody wants to give me a spa day, I'd be happy to take it. But, um, you know, that's one, that's one moment in time. Um, your whole life is a choice to eat in a way that doesn't cause stress, to eat in a way that reduces stress on your body. Every time that you have a meal or a snack, you have that opportunity. So it's pretty cool, really, when you think about it. And kind of huge. Sort of blows my mind sometimes when I think about it. So anyway, thank you guys for listening today. I hope you have a good one. If you have questions for the podcast, please email me at anamberadaypodcast at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. And um, I look forward to sharing more little nuggets of wisdom with you guys next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want. And I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.